0: Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 54. I'm Kip Clark.
1: And I'm Caroline Borders.
0: And today we're going to be talking about female body image, and we actually have a guest with us, Ms. Logan Bialik. Hi! Out of respect for our audience, we would like to issue a trigger warning before this episode formally begins. We are going to be discussing sensitive topics in the following conversation, and we value the choices of all of our listeners, old and new, to avoid this conversation out of concern for their comfort, safety, and emotional well-being. So... We wanted to discuss this because we feel that it is an important topic and relevant, of course, to many people. Specifically, we're going to be tackling issues related to media. And so, for the sake of conversation, I want to explain that when I say media, I'm thinking the internet, television, magazines, other things that people consume, particularly mass media. So, things that are distributed in large quantities to consumers, both male and female, and how that affects the construction of body image, which, of course, is a construct and that's something that's really important to say.
1: And I think that being said, and I think Logan, you'll agree with me, Logan and I are both thin white women and therefore we'll be speaking from a different perspective, or a perspective that is most certainly different from that of someone who is obese or who is of another race in terms of body image and that is different all across the culture in many different ways. So a disclaimer on that front as well. We don't mean any offense. This is just kind of how body image pertains to us, and that may be very, very different from how it pertains to you personally.
0: So one of the first questions I have to the two of you is, how do you think in early years, let's say pre-adolescence or even in adolescence, did you construct an idea of body image? To whom did you look, to emulate in some way, after whom would you like to model your body image? Where did you get that initial influence or what people or forces influenced you?
2: Well, I can't remember having any sort of specific model for how I wanted to look, but I remember age 12 or something was when I first started to be aware of my body and started to not like certain parts of it. And the media is a tricky thing, right? Because it's not always a direct message that you're conscious of receiving. It's something that gets absorbed passively, and it's not always through direct or conscious consumption of the media. And so for whatever reason, I remember sixth grade realizing that my stomach stuck out more than I wanted it to and feeling self-conscious about that and trying to consciously like suck it in all the time when I was walking around and also noticing the bodies of other girls around me and admiring them or seeing flaws in them that I saw in my own and kind of using that as a gauge to
1: determine how I wanted to look. Exactly. I think, especially starting in middle school and then kind of throughout high school, I don't remember being super like weight conscious or anything like that, but I remember being like, my boobs are too small. I need cleavage. Like, this is how I'm going to get the boys. And like, because that girl is doing that and she's super popular and she's getting the boys. And this is also like totally, I think we're both straight women. So this is totally different for someone who'd be gay. Like, absolutely. And I think since coming to college, I've gotten a lot more aware of my body and feel a lot more scrutinized in my body. Maybe that's partially because of the hookup culture, but also people watch what you're eating. People see when you're working out. Like there's a lot of public performance that goes on in college that just doesn't really in high school.
0: When you talk about being scrutinized, I'm curious to know what that looks like. If you've ever received direct comments or maybe even heard about people talking about your body behind your back, Logan, I would ask this to you as well. In what ways you feel you've been scrutinized or what that looks like? Obviously, I don't have the same experiences as a male.
1: I think some of it comes from seeing how other women have been scrutinized. Like I've never been personally scrutinized really ever I've been exposed more to my friends being really hypercritical of themselves, and so that sometimes makes me feel like, oh, I need to work out more because they're freaking out about working out. Or even in anthropology classes, I've learned implications of how femininity finds itself in long hair and what that means. And it doesn't mean that like, oh, now I need to make my hair longer, so I'm like more appealing. But like, it has definitely deterred me from like saying like, oh, I'm gonna get a buzz cut, I'm gonna shave my head, you know, because that's more masculine, according to our society. And some people would say, and I've talked about this with some people, and people are like, oh, why don't you rebel against that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, like I, It's interesting. What, what would you say, Larry?
2: Well, I would say that as far as being scrutinized is concerned, for a lot of things in my life and probably many people's life, the question of feeling judged is more a question of whether or not you're judging yourself and how your personal judgments of yourself are being projected onto the way you perceive other people to be perceiving you. So as far as feeling scrutinized here at Kenyon, I think it's more myself feeling critical of my body and feeling like it should be scrutinized and constantly comparing myself to other women Um, or feeling
1: like it is i feel like in the dining hall around campus even like in the library i'm like oh like if i leave my apartment say like i need to look presentable because other people are going to see me and other people are going to be looking at me and to some extent it's like who cares like and sometimes especially during finals week it's like whatever but that also is, like, I like to look good because it makes me feel good. But, like, there's another aspect of it that I feel like I'm scrutinizing myself, but I also feel like people naturally scrutinize me. And that comes from, like, things like what you see on Yak. This recent survey that came out that, about the hookup culture that basically surveyed the student body and it revealed that men... Prefer and are attracted to thin women with big boobs. While I'm like, okay, well, I don't have big boobs. So sorry. At the same time, it's like people are clearly scrutinizing me. People look at me like people are looking around this campus and and scrutinizing women. And so I therefore am like, okay, I have to be competitive. I have to compete with that in a terrible way, <laughs> but
2: whatever. And just also, I mean, some of the guys that I hang out with sometimes will talk about women around the dining hall that they think are attractive or walking by.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: and that's just, it just reinforces the fact that, yeah, guys are looking at girls in terms of how their body looks and there is a specific body type that they find most attractive. Maybe it was last year only or if it's a consistent thing, but the football team or other sports teams will shout out number ratings of
1: girls as they walk by in Old Side sometimes. I don't think they shout out, but they definitely there's like <laughs> a not. there's a rumored rating <laughs> system because it is kind of like Old Side is sort of set up like a runway oh because God, yeah. like the tables are all rectangular, they're lined up in different rows and you walk between them. It's like sort of like a runway. And usually I'm not paying attention like, oh, like I need to walk a certain way so that guys will rate me correctly. But like, you're pretty self-aware. You feel watched. Yeah, Definitely. absolutely. And the and same, same goes for on the other side, or the new side on, in the dining hall, but. Mm-hmm.
0: And then I would ask you too, because it's obviously upsetting to hear about things like this. Do you feel that gaze works in two directions? Do you think women ever look at men that way, at least looking specifically at our campus? Because personally, I don't feel like I hear much of that. And it's weird to think that one side judges the other, but the other is fine not offering vocal opinions about men, let's say.
1: It's really interesting to think about that because I find that if I'm in the dining hall with my friends and I see a cute guy, then I'll be like, oh my God, that guy is so cute or something like that. But I won't say like, oh, he's a 10 or something like that. However, if I'm at a play or if... I'm at some sort of public event and a woman has a great butt and I'm like, oh, like, I wish I had that butt. I'm much more likely to objectify women in that way because there's something that I would like to have that I don't have. Like, oh, like, I wish I had that butt. And I'll like text my friends like, oh, like, what a great butt. And they'll be like, yeah, like, oh, she's just, like, such a great butt. I really never do that with guys. Never. I don't
2: know. About you. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. As you were mentioning it, I was realizing that So much more often, I find myself talking with my friends about girls that we think are really beautiful because of their body or because of their hair or whatnot. And when we're talking about guys that are cute or attractive, it's not as centered around body.
1: exactly. But
2: I think also, though, the discourse is much more positive in orientation, too. At least among my friends, we never talk about girls we think are unattractive. Yeah. Or guys we think are unattractive because it seems malicious. And I think there's all so this fear of like, oh, don't.
1: Or if we do, it's sort of to comfort someone else. And so like some girl will be like, oh, this girl is like, I think she's like dating this guy I like. Ugh. And they're like, ah oh, like she's not that cute anyway or something like that. It's never in their own interest in a way.
0: Well, regarding the idea of comforting someone else based on body image or appearance, I often worry that compliments I give on someone's appearance, let's say their hair looks particularly great, and of course I'm referring to women that I might say this to, I worry that that reinforces the idea that they do need to continue to look good or continue to satisfy that aspect of appearance, which is then troubling to me because I was trying to compliment them on something, but I worry that as a result I'm reinforcing a certain standard, and I'd be curious to hear, as girls who are often on the receiving end of comments like that how you feel about compliments with positive intent and the actual function they might have
1: I guess I'm generally uncomfortable with compliments because I don't know how to respond to them or for me so I and I think for a lot of women in this we've kind of been I think we've been conditioned to like if someone's like oh like you look beautiful today like oh like you like you like the prettiest eyes. Like if i if someone says that to me and i'm like thank you, then it's like i'm acknowledging like yes, i do look pretty today. Like i do i do look a certain way and then it's like boastful. I get uncomfortable with compliments and usually i think among women when someone's like oh, like i love your shirt, like oftentimes I feel compelled to be like oh I like your something instead of saying like thank you like or <laughs> recently I've sort of been like stopped doing that and I'm like yeah you know I do like this too like that's why I'm wearing it <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, but it's easier for me to take a compliment being like oh like I like that shirt because it's like yeah I picked this out this was my choice I had control over it whereas like my hair like well cool I grew it myself you know I hear you and that's like, an
0: important distinction Logan what do you think about compliments and such
1: in terms of appearance, I think it certainly
2: reinforces the fact that you will be rewarded with social distinction, so to speak, when you fit the model of what we deem to be attractive. And like Caroline, I think it is kind of an awkward territory for me when I'm responding to compliments. It either is uh, you just kind of diminish it a little bit or you throw a reciprocal compliment out there. That's... I definitely say a lot like, oh, Stop it,
1: or you know, something like that, just yeah, to like,
2: yeah, or I'll respond to it in it. a more or less sarcastic, sort of playful way, of- yeah. Like some way to deflect it. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. But I, I think also, especially on a college campus, and because of how I feel more scrutinized here, but also because of this perception that the media projects that is totally unrealistic of tiny waist, huge boobs, like, oh, it's very, very unrealistic, flat stomach. But it affects me in a way There's like, okay, that's unrealistic. But, like, I see all these pictures in the media of, like, beautiful women, like, with perfect skin and, like, a flat stomach and, like, beautiful legs and, like, everything before i go to the beach two weeks before i'll like google search how do i get a flat stomach really quickly (laughs) or something like ridiculous and it's not so much like oh i'm planning on making this happen but it is something like okay like maybe if i eat less in the next two weeks then i can look better in the bathing suit or Mm -hmm. like Or just generally first thing I do and I think a lot of women do this so I was kind of hesitant to say this but the first thing I do when I wake up is I go look in the mirror and I see like I look at my body and I'm like what's my stomach look like this morning and I've talked about this with my friends we've all been like oh like it's so great when we wake up in the morning because you've digested all your foods your stomach is flatter you know what I mean So
2: familiar. it's yeah. yeah just the fact that girls are conscious of different times of day when their stomachs look good or not good and that when even if Like you and I haven't talked about this together before now. It's still something that both of us have thought about, and probably most girls on this campus.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's like okay, if I wake up and maybe I'd eaten something before I went to bed, so my stomach doesn't look as good as yeah. it did the day before, then I'll be like, okay, well, I guess I can't wear that dress today.
2: And it's hard to tell, right? No, the
1: subtle differences that you're noticing are actually there, or exactly. Not, um, and how no- like what if it's all be. in my head? Exactly. Yeah. Like what if people just don't care? Like what if <laughs> like but. But I'm like, oh, like, because when someone wears a tight dress, like when they go out or whatever, um, or just in general, I'm usually not looking at their stomach. But if I were wearing that, I'd be like, oh, my God, everyone's like looking at my stomach. That's like mm-hmm. the only thing they're looking at. And I talk about that so matter of factly, because for me, that's just how it is. Personally, I don't really work out. I know you work out. So maybe if you wanted to talk about that more. But for me, it's like. In high school, I really wasn't aware of my weight. I said that. But being in college, like, I went abroad. I gained 10 pounds abroad and came back. And I was very aware that I'd gained this weight, even though it didn't really look like it. But I was like, oh, wow, the scale is saying that. And therefore, I became focused on losing it, not by starving myself in any way. But, like, I was like, oh, I'll go back to Kenyon. And, like, the food isn't that great at the dining hall. So, like, I'll eat less. Perfect. And I've lost 15 pounds. That's a lot. Not, like purposefully in any way but like I acknowledge like I'm not eating the carbs that I ate when I was abroad I don't eat breakfast here because my classes are later in the day so I'm eating less I'm just eating like maybe one and a half meals sometimes I don't go to lunch and that's just kind of a reality for me like when I get stressed out I stop eating you know therefore I lose weight and like when I found out that I'd lost 15 pounds when I went to the health center because I had a cold a few weeks ago the nurse was like wow you've lost a little weight since the last time you were here and I was like yeah she's like but you look great you know like you know like it's like okay
0: Logan, would you actually be willing to talk about working out or even if not in your personal regimen, how you think exercise affects women and how they're trying to maybe sculpt their body images through exercise?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, man, I can't speak for every woman, definitely. So I don't want to draw generalizations, but I think there is a huge fixation on exercise for the appearance results. And part of that is because the changes in the way your body looks is sort of an external Extrinsic goal that is more immediately satisfying than I'm in good health or so my heart is healthy. Like, no one can see that your heart is healthy. And I personally really am so strongly against the concept of exercise for body image, partly because I have a relationship with exercise that oscillates between exercising in order to stay thin versus exercising because it feels good and because it will keep me fit and I want to be fit and I want to be healthy. But I just so often in my four years here have gone to the CAC and been thinking thoughts inside my head about how sad it is to see like all these girls on the cardio machines and then going over to the ab section and doing crunches and For a long time, I justified not doing crunches because I thought the only reason I would ever do crunches is just so that I could make my stomach more taut and flat and so that I could conform to a body image ideal that is not even realistic, so I'm just not going to do crunches. But personally for me, I mean, I don't want to go too in-depth about running. I think running for me, because it's more than just hopping on an elliptical or something, it can be a sport as well as a recreational burn off the beer calories from last night activity. For me, running has been a really powerful way of reconceptualizing my body and starting to love it for what it can do and not just for how it looks. While yes, running is a way of burning calories, also I just feel whenever I'm consistently running, I'm not as concerned with the way that my body looks. It's just so long as I can get in that seven mile run every day, I don't care how my body looks because my body just ran seven miles. And so I think exercise has the potential to be sort of a liberating experience for women constantly concerned with how their body looks, because if they really want to be serious about it, they have to focus on eating and exercising in smart ways that will allow their bodies to function that wouldn't necessarily match up with strategies to lose weight or become thinner. But with that, I think the craze on a more societal scale, a broader scale, I think the Body image ideals that are propagated through the media, for women especially, has given way to new avenues for industries to pop in, such as personal trainers or gyms or 5k races with glow sticks or diet plans. So there's this whole new niche in the economy which really attracts a lot of consumers because a lot of people are concerned about the way that their body looks. And on the one hand you think, man, that's really sad. But then at the same time, exercise can be really good for your health. And if the only way to motivate people to do it is through unrealistic images of body shape
1: goals, then I guess it's not the worst thing. Yeah, I guess when I have worked out and I've gotten into a consistent routine, I've like loved it and I've been like, oh, this is the best thing my body's ever done. But oftentimes if I get out of that routine, then it's like, ugh, like it's so hard for me to get back into it. So I kind of just stop, which is generally what happens. And what I have found in the past is when I am starting to say like, oh, like I need to work out like I and I start working out. It's been partially driven by like a motivation that's like, oh, you should be healthier. Like, this is good for you. Like, you should get in shape. It's never been I want to do this. It's like you should do this. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. Kip, one question that I think could be interesting to ask you, um, we were talking
2: earlier about kind of men's standards for women and how that can affect women's body image. And I've always thought that there was a confusing and complicated relationship in terms of media images that are presented, whether or not that's male controlled or whether or not it's feeding men's perceptions of what makes a beautiful woman. And I don't know if you can answer that question, but would you say that your ideas of what makes a beautiful woman, aesthetically only, if that matches up with the way it's presented in the media?
0: I think largely, I would argue, although I don't think anyone, male or female, would like to admit it, the media has a large influence on what our opinions are, often those that we can't necessarily trace. And one thing that occurs to me when you're asking the question is how the system has sustained itself. And I think problematically, it's been that men, often those in power, Or really men in general have made comments on the appearances of women who have traditionally relied upon men for some form of support whether it be familial or financial and as a result women are rewarded for altering their appearances to suit the standards of men men in turn have women that they find attractive living amongst them and I think the system perpetuates itself as a result problematically both sides are complicit in the system, I would definitely ascribe more male blame than I would blaming women, because I don't think that's fair, but I think that it's been mutually defined in a lot of ways. And so if I'm talking about my own standards, the things Caroline mentions are absolutely true in terms of what I would find attractive. I'm not happy about that because I recognize that there are women in my life who, whether they're trying to appeal to me or just men in general, will likely acknowledge the standards that Caroline mentioned that I do think are widely conceived of as beautiful, And alter themselves or attempt to alter themselves accordingly, which is upsetting because the means that women go to are often dangerous or at least mentally, I think, unhealthy. Because at their core, they tell you that the way you look is wrong and that you need to fix something, which I think is silly, but of course, it's easy for me to say that, and it's a lot harder to psychologically undo years and decades of conditioning, as Caroline said. So I do believe my standards have been largely determined by the media. That said, One of the things that I've thought about, especially in the media class that I took this past semester, which I've referred to in earlier episodes, is the idea of media literacy and acknowledging what's being done to manipulate images and the fact that, frankly, in a lot of situations, women are selected for certain qualities and others are photoshopped or adjusted or manipulated, as I said, in some way to create this perfect holistic image of a woman who frankly has been more contorted and twisted via digital means or otherwise, to look not human, but superhuman in some way with qualities that don't frankly make sense. But the mind, unless you remind it, isn't aware that that image does not represent an actual human being, but more of an artistic representation. And I think I'm using the term artistic very loosely there. So it's important, I believe, to remember what you're watching is 99 times out of 100 manipulated in some way. It's not honest.
2: That's a good point. And that made me think about the fact that media, at least in my experience and in the circles of people that I have been exposed to, media is not always received uncritically. In fact, there's an enormous counter discourse going on. So many women look at pictures of Photoshopped women and just rip it apart or critique it it's or, or make fun of it, you yeah. know? And so I think... It's not always that the media has ultimate control because people are able to see through it and are able to combat this sort of power discourse.
1: But in a way, it's hard because there is this sort of counter movement against Photoshop. And in a lot of ways, like a celebrity will be like, this picture of me is not photoshopped, like whatever. And I think that's great. It's creating a more realistic image for women. But at the same time, these celebrities are still projecting an image of themselves that is so refined and so stylized because they are working their butts off to have a good body and to eat well because they know they're being scrutinized every day. So it's almost like the standard for women is becoming more realistic, but it's still so ridiculously hard to attain. I don't know if if that's a good thing. I think it's great that the media is becoming more transparent, but it doesn't necessarily mean that women will be like, oh, I'm so comfortable with my body now because Jennifer Lawrence is also comfortable with her body and therefore we can both be comfortable together instead of I think women will be like, oh, then I just want the body of the real Jennifer Lawrence.
0: Right. And reality is very important to consider. And I know that Sandra Bullock was recently labeled most beautiful woman of the year or something like that by a tabloid. And of course, the image on the cover was adjusted in many ways to make her appear more beautiful or more youthful in some ways. And to me, it's peculiar because she's no longer identifying with that image because she knows that it's not her. The audience, if they don't know better, does believe that that's still Sandra Bullock. And so both sides are sort of being lied to and that it's neither the individual nor the audience who has control over that anymore. It's the manipulator who owns and manipulates the image. And I do think that counterculture against photoshopped images or other similar means of representing women in the media is important because it shows those who make these magazines or other images that people aren't interested in falsified realities and would prefer honest depictions. And I think it's important to remember that people don't have perfect skin, and people do have gray hairs and crow's feet and other things that we find unattractive in air quotes. But it's important. I also think it goes deeper than the visual. In songs, lyrics like flawless and I woke up like this indicate a certain need to appear not only beautiful, but effortlessly beautiful, which I find really troubling.
1: Yeah, totally. Recently, actually, And I absolutely adore this video because it's so true. And so anyways, on that note, Amy Schumer recently put out a video called No Makeup or like you don't need any makeup or whatever. And it's an awesome video. And one of the lines, basically Amy Schumer takes off all her makeup because this boy band is like, you don't need that. Like you're beautiful anyway. And then she takes it all off and they're like, wait, hold on. And they're like just put on some like just a little bit of makeup like some natural looking makeup and I think that's like oftentimes a lot of the compliments that I've gotten on my makeup it's like oh like it's just like so subtle but it's nice you just like very natural and it's like I take that as a legitimate compliment like thank you that's what I'm going for like I don't want it to look like I'm putting a lot of effort into it which is interesting and troubling.
2: <laughs> it's ironic thinking about that relationship with general aesthetic beauty. Now there's a standard that you're supposed to look effortless when at the same time people with seemingly perfect bodies according to the standards are admired not just because of the way they look but because it's generally understood that they put forth the necessary effort to have that body and that having a body that looks good, there's this narrative that it's completely under your control. And so everyone who has a good looking body is more virtuous by the fact that they were able to exercise more self-discipline, to eat healthy, and to so every day. There's so much victim
1: blaming. And yeah.
2: Hold. Yeah. And that's what augments the problem of body shame, because then every imperfection on your own body is a reflection of, at least for me, Every imperfection on my own body is a reflection of my lack of self-discipline in some way or of my inability
1: to have complete control over something that I should have complete exactly. control over. It's like, oh, like you don't need to eat that chocolate because you have control over like what you eat. You don't need. Right. I've, I've heard so many times like in the bookstore, some women, like not even students who like are in the section of candy bars. And it's like, oh, that looks so good, but I don't need that. I don't need that. And then I look over and it's like this woman's like a stick. And I'm like, wow, let yourself go a little but honey, come on. Mm -hmm. But everything is under your control. So like if you let yourself go or whatever, then it's like, you don't have that kind of discipline. Like Mm -hmm. you should have that kind of discipline. And I, I think that's one of the worst parts about
2: the whole body image topic is that it comes down to a question of character value and morality almost, in terms of moral standards of being a hard worker and being self-disciplined and having control and having everything in your life together, is that not only are bodies that don't fit the body image ideal unattractive on an aesthetic level, they also, in the mythical realm, denote someone with
1: weaker character, who's lazy, who has less motivation. Who has the means, but is still not doing something about it. Right, right. And that's ridiculous, because it doesn't take into account so many things like income.
0: Genetic factors, environmental factors. Health
1: factors. I mean, for me, like running is really hard because my knees just kind of suck. And when I run, they don't work for a while and I have to limp around. And some people, like a lot of my friends do run and they're like, come running with me. And it's like, guys, I I cannot.
0: All right. So before we close the episode, a few things that I would like to say and then ask the two of you First of all, this was in many ways a heteronormative conversation between three white individuals, and I think we all acknowledge that, and we're not trying to prescribe any solutions or any ideas that do not apply to people other than three of us, and also that the conversation takes place under the presumption in some ways of a gender binary, when of course gender is in many ways fluid, and we all acknowledge that too would of course media doesn't often acknowledge that, and that's why there are categories of men and women, which is why we then have this conversation. Before we do close the episode, do either of you have any suggestions or even things you would like listeners to think about, male or female, things you would encourage them to consider?
1: This is hard because I feel like a lot of the advice that I, or like anything I tell our audience would be stuff that I should be just doing myself. Like you should exercise because you want to exercise because it's good for you or you should eat what you want to eat. And like, I generally do eat what I want to eat, but I just happen to like healthier foods and I have a privileged enough life that I have access to those foods. But take everything that the media throws at you with a grain of salt, which I definitely do, but it still does not stop me from definitely caring about what I look like. So, yeah, I feel a little hypocritical in saying that. I feel very hypocritical in saying that. But, yeah, Logan, I don't know. I would say
2: I think that the moral discourse surrounding body image is something that is not recognized enough. And that I would advise people to stop and think more critically about how that moral discourse is infiltrating or entering into the way that they're perceiving themselves and also other people. Um, Because I would argue that there's an accepted prejudice against overweight people in our society, largely due to the morality that's attached to the way that your body looks that we discussed earlier.
1: I would also say challenge the desire to criticize yourself. It's so easy to look in the mirror and be like, "Oh, look, I this could be better. I would change this." And I mean, it's like that kind of science that's like if you smile, like you actually are happier. If we can find a way, even if it's like in your room by yourself, if you can find a way to say like, oh, like I really do like this thing about me. I like this thing about me. I feel like it's just a movement towards more positive body image.
0: I agree. And while I can't speak to the female side of things, I definitely don't want to offer advice to women because I've never been one. I would say, at least to the male side, I would encourage men and people in general to think about why their standards of beauty exist and from what locations or sources they've come and also why people are so willing to share their standards of beauty verbally and to express them and also to what extent they matter. Obviously visuals are only one aspect of how we interact with and understand our reality And I think given the conversation, they are not the most important and are often very damaging when people internalize the standards that we set out. So I would challenge anyone to challenge their perceptions of beauty and, like I said, the sources from which they come. So, Logan, thank you very much for joining us on this episode. We really appreciated having you.
2: It was my pleasure, Kip and Caroline.
0: And of course, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. Especially given the content of the episode, we would really enjoy hearing from any listeners out there what you thought. If things bothered you especially, we want to know. We'd like to correct that in future episodes on similar topics. And if you would like to be part of the conversation, we would love to have you. You can reach us on Twitter at Stride and Saunter. Our Facebook account is Stride and Saunter. You can email us, strideandsaunter at gmail.com, and we encourage you to check out our website, strideandsaunter.com.
1: And if you haven't seen the Amy Schumer video, we'll put that in the description below, and you should totally check it out. It's very hilarious.
0: Absolutely, along with some other links to articles if people are interested. And as always, we thank all of you for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.
1: And this is Caroline Borders. We'll see you next time.